You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. You would come to your feet for a reading of God's Word from John chapter 10. Gospel of John chapter 10. If you're not able to stand, if you're at home, just stand in your heart. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens up the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes out ahead of them, and all the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They'll not follow a stranger, but they'll run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying. So again, Jesus said to him, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it is a joy to get to read the Word of God in your presence again. It's great to be together. We welcome all of you who are coming from far and wide, tuning in online, joining us here. We know a lot of people that are, are coming in and hear this, here in this place for the first time, maybe this year, maybe the first time ever. And so we just want you to feel at home and welcome here at first, and welcome to this time of worship. It's a special day for you to be here. Elder Installation Day, we, we get to set aside in our practice here at First Christian those people that we see as leaders. And this is kind of a year-round process for us where we're praying for our leaders. We're rallying strength from God on their behalf. And we're looking for people who are already showing the fruits of leadership and then inviting them into this group of leaders to lead among us, called out from this group of folks. But I guess one of the natural things is you might look around and say, well, elder? What's an elder? What does an elder do? And that's a good question. It's actually a big question. It's much bigger than what I'll answer in its entirety today. I don't want to chase down every word about being an elder from the Bible. Not going to do that. Not even going to go to the greatest hits, the classics, like Titus chapter 1 or 1 Timothy chapter 3, among many others. I'm going to go to one story one place that's kind of an atypical place to go to look at the work of a shepherd. Because I want us to look at how Jesus spoke about his own leadership. And I think that has something to say for the work of an elder, the work of a minister, and the work of every disciple who is following Jesus. And I think you'll see that this story is also yet another story that fits in perfectly with what our mission is here at first of following Jesus. But first, just a few things on the front end about what an elder is. Three things, just quickly. Again, not a complete list, 
But an elder is, well, elder or older. Now, I, I don't mean that in the sense of gray hair, you know, Lawrence doesn't have gray hair, or, you know, no hair, or some kind of age thing, but an elder is, maybe a better word is advanced. This is someone who is advanced in life. They've passed through the fires of what life has to offer. They've seen things. They're not a new kid on the block to following Jesus. They've been around. In the case of Lawrence, he's definitely done this. He has been running his own business. He's been involved in the legal world. He has been a group leader here at first. And maybe most significantly and most formatively, facing cancer in his own life. That kind of advancement in living in life teaches you about how to live. Same thing with our other Lawrence, who led the prayer, who was reaffirmed as well, our Lori, as we like to call them, kind of a Dr. Seuss thing to distinguish these two from among the group. You know, he's a partner in a law firm, and, and he's been an elder for a long time. These are people that are advanced in life. They are already doing the work of an elder. So that's one, advanced. Another word that comes to my mind is group. When the elders are talked about, they're talked about in the plural, not in the singular as if it's a title, but as a group. And we definitely learn this, where we have to build consensus among ourselves, where we have to work together to make decisions. And sometimes those decisions are, are not even decisions that we might want, but we know it's what's best for the church. We know what's, it's what's best for the good of the group. And sometimes those, those calls challenge us to do some difficult things, to take some steps that sometimes we are not ready to do. Kind of like a parent who looks at their child and wants to help them grow and develop and sees things in their child that they may not yet see. They function for the good of the group, called out from the community of faith for the good of the community of faith. So they're advanced, they are definitely part of a group, and they're exemplary. That's the other word that comes to my mind. These folks are models. They're examples of what it is to follow Jesus. Now, it's not exemplary in the sense of perfect. I don't think we need any perfect leaders around us. This is not going to happen. In fact, more often than not, you learn more about a leader in the difficult things they face. How do they handle adversity? How do they handle life when they're under pressure? Are they able to follow Jesus during those times? And that is what this group is, an advanced group of exemplary followers of Jesus called out from the community, still within that community, working for the good of that community. Well, you know already that I've read this passage that's been on my heart when it comes to the installation of elders. It's just what's been on my mind for this particular season at first. And what's interesting about this passage here in John is that we get a little bit of a story. It's not your typical place to go to talk about elders. In the Gospel of John, he is one who lived the longest. He's one that spent the most time with Jesus, but he doesn't use one of Jesus's most famous teaching methods, the story, the parable. Instead, in the Gospel of John, he does a lot of talking, and Jesus does a lot of preaching and teaching, and he even gets along the side of his disciples, and he has these long-winded conversations. But 
parables or stories are kind of few. In fact, this one that I just read to you is the main one. And it's more what Jesus calls a figure of speech. And he tells them about his leadership style being like that of a shepherd. Really, a shepherd. This might just give everyone a yawn to bring up shepherd. Our, our high school career counselors are not finding shepherd on career placement instruments. University uh, development officers do not point their graduates into shepherding typically, right? This just doesn't show up. It's foreign to us. It doesn't make as much sense. But in the ancient Near East, in more rural and agrarian society, the shepherd had a very important role. Leading these sheep, which were almost like factories for making wool, not almost, they literally are. Wool that's formed into blankets, to clothing, to fabrics, to materials for tents, even lambs that can be eaten, providing protein and nutrients against the harsh elements of the world. So, so this is something that is close to their experience. It's very common in the ancient Near East and even in the Old Testament scriptures to talk about leaders in terms of shepherd. Not shepherd of cows or of goats, but of sheep. A little bit more ignorant of an animal, a little bit more prone to follow of an animal. And here, that is the example that Jesus gives. And, and he does so to our own confusion because we're not really connected with sheep. But he lays it out and says, look, I'm the gate and I'm the shepherd. I am the, the entry point that accesses the fold of protection and safety. I'm the place that people go through in order to find pasture and to find protection. I'm the voice that everyone follows. I, I am the sound that feeds them, the sound that, that chases away attackers. If someone tries to come in by a different means, well, they're a thief or a wolf. A sheep, not going to be jumping over a fence. That's not what sheep do. Well, as Jesus tells this image, look in verse 6. The disciples don't understand what he's talking about at all. Well, that makes me feel a little better because I've not spent time with sheep. I'm not a shepherd. And those of you who are working today, you don't have people walking up and down the halls of your office with a shepherd's staff trying to recruit you from where you're currently working to go into the great venue, the career of shepherding. It's just not where we're at. Well, Jesus, knowing that they don't understand, takes it a little bit further. And in verse 7, he begins to explain specifically what he means. In verse 7, he says, I am the gate. I'm the path that gets you into this fold. That's me. That's why I'm telling the story, says Jesus, so that you come in through me. The person monitoring the gate recognizes and knows who Jesus is and lets Jesus in and lets his sheep in for entry and safety and protection. Well, I know shepherding is a little bit more difficult, so we've got to come up with a different image for us to make sense of this. So last week, I got to go to a concert. And you know how this is with concerts, you have to buy these things well in advance. And, and what is it that you need to go to a concert? A ticket. You've got to have a ticket. 
So my buddy Mark and I, he was gracious enough to go with me on this concert. I, I bought these tickets way in advance. You never know what you're gonna be doing on MLK Day, six months in advance. And no, it wasn't a convenient time, probably for either one of us. But to get in the door, you have to have a ticket. And today it's not a physical ticket, it's a digital ticket. So I want you to just think about all that's involved in getting this digital ticket. You have to have a phone or a printout that's gonna show you bought the ticket. But if we keep going backward, you're gonna to have to have a driver's license, you're gonna to have to have a credit card. You're gonna to have to have internet. I see Sally shaking her head, oh no, no. You're gonna to have to have internet access. You're gonna to have to have all of these things in place and all of it takes time to verify with a bank that I am who I say I am. And with this concert, I also had to provide my shot records, my vaccination status and wear a mask. And I know something like that makes us kind of frustrated or say, oh, it's such a hassle, but think about all that's involved as we try to preserve community and safety and protection. Each one of those pieces of information, the credit card, the cell phone with the ticket on it, the driver's license, the vaccination status, all of that's required to be able to get in the door. Okay, so where are we going with this? A good elder like a good minister or a good disciple, know who gets them in the door. Who gets them in the door is Jesus. Jesus is the ticket. He is the gate. He is that access point. And they are sold out to that gate, which is Jesus. Does that make a little more sense? Perhaps. Well, as Jesus continues to try to explain, and if we're thinking of this as characters in a play, he takes on another role, not just a gate, but he says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Now, if he's having to get costumes, this is going to make for a quickie, quick set change, right? Be a gate and then suddenly be a shepherd. Well, in the case of the shepherd, the way that Jesus speaks about it is, my sheep know my voice. They follow me. Because I am the one that feeds them. I am the one that screams at wolves or attackers or thieves. I chase them away. They know my voice. They know to come to me and follow in behind me. I am the good shepherd. Well, again, if we go back to this concert. So the band that we went to see is a band called Sunvolt. Don't worry, none of you have never heard of them. I started listening to this band back in 1995. It, it's S-O-N-V-O-L-T, which you might think, oh, it's a Christian band. No, it's not a Christian band. It's an alternative country band. So that's kind of an unusual twist there. Well, I know that the lead singer is Jay Farrar. I, I know I have their CDs. I, I have listened to them. They don't play on my CD player all the time. And some of you are saying, what's a CD player? Don't worry about that. Um, but yet with him, I had never listened to them in person. I'd never gone to hear them. And now, after Monday night, I've been within 10 feet of Jay Farrar. I, I took a picture of Jay Farrar. Took a few little videos of the sound. So now I was able to compare his twangy voice on CD or on my iPhone to his in-the-person voice, right? And it, it's the same, I could tell. So now I've had this concert experience. 
but do I know Jay Farrar? Well, yeah, I, I know. Does he know me? Uh, well, no, he doesn't know me. He might have seen some weird old guy taking pictures of him right there in the front, but he doesn't know me. He doesn't know my voice or my name. That would be a whole different level of interaction. I bring this up because I think it might be descriptive of how we sometimes approach church or Christianity. We come in and we are observers. We, we hear things spoken about Jesus. We hear people talk about Jesus. In fact, we might even be able to quote some lines, some lyrics from what Jesus has said and taught. But then we go out and there's not really a relationship with Jesus. Jesus may not know us any better than we think that we know Jesus. So again, if I bring up Jay Farrar, for me to have a friendship with him would mean an investment in time on his part and on my part. And that guy probably has enough people that want to be around him and be friends with him. Those friendships are long established. He's not looking for one more fan to go to lunch with or become deep, intimate friends with. It's different when it comes to Jesus. Well, when we look at these two roles, Jesus being the gate, Jesus being the good shepherd, the voice that we recognize, what's the point? Would, would Jesus just pick a lane here, choose one of these and go with them? Well, I think that this is mysterious because Jesus is trying to teach us something about how we follow him. It would be easy to just draw a line, right? Put a dot and say, this is talking about Jesus and shepherds, and we'll draw that connection to elders who are shepherds, and we follow the voice of shepherds. But I'm not going that way. It's a good practice. It's what we do. These folks are people that we have laid hands on. These are the best. These are people that are not perfect. They're just like us. We have other best ones that are not in this group. But these are the ones we set aside. And it's good to listen to these elder couples. These men and women have much to offer us in terms of leadership. And they should be honored. But here in this place, what makes them a good elder is their ability to know who the gate is, who the ticket is, and to know whose voice they are following. They are following the voice of Jesus. To be an advanced group of exemplary people means that they know who the real leader is. Just like Peter in 1 Peter 5, when he talks about following as an elder, being a leader, he closely ties it to suffering, even the suffering of Christ, knowing that sometimes there are difficult things that leaders have to go through, processes that must be followed, places that must be traveled to. And the only way you could do that is what Peter says in chapter 5, verse 4, to follow the chief shepherd. Paul knew this too. And he knew this about his own imperfections. And yet, as a leader, he was able to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. Did he mean follow everything about Paul, all of his mistakes, anything that he had done wrong? No. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's a leader who knows who they're following, that they are sold out 100% behind Jesus. And it's vital. If we look at these two things and put them together, 
it's vital to understand that I think what we're about here is trust. For a gatekeeper to know to let the shepherd in. For sheep to know the voice not of thieves and of bandits and of strangers, but to know the voice of Jesus, the voice of the good shepherd. It's about trust and access, and we know that that comes through Jesus. And we're listening to Jesus' voice. We are following his model. It's good to be around church. It's good to be around other followers of Jesus. And yet we want that relationship to be more than just something of observation, something that we watch other people do. And so this is where it turns more towards all of us, whether you're an elder or not, the how we follow Jesus. How we listen to the voice of Jesus takes place in worship, like we've done today. We're listening to the lyrics of the songs. We're listening to the words of Scripture, what's being said in the sermon. We're even hearing the encouragement that we offer one another at the beginning or at the end of this time of worship. Worship is a place of formation, of training our ears to be tuned to the voice of Jesus, training our feet, our hooves, if you will, to follow after Jesus. It takes place also in our groups. Lawrence is a group leader. We have a number of group leaders here today. Our group leaders lead us in praying for one another, praying through Scripture, and praying through the difficult things that we're facing. It is astounding to me that sometimes people will say, well, yeah, I know what God's intending for my life. I know what He wants me to do. But we haven't spent 10 minutes praying about it alone. Or even 10 weeks praying together with a group of other followers of Jesus to be guided in this path of listening to the voice of Jesus. I think this takes place also in our homes. Maybe your home is just you. It's just you and your apartment. Maybe it's you and your family. Home is a good place to listen to the words of Jesus through Scripture. And if you want a place to start, it can be intimidating to take up all of Scripture. But what about the Gospels? Those stories, those narratives, those teachings from Jesus, where we're able to hear what he said and we're able to watch what he did and how that affected other people. Reading the Gospels is a good place to tune your eyes to Jesus. What about involving Jesus in your decisions? The big ones, the small ones. Treating Jesus as a friend, where you're not just in the concert with Jesus, but you're walking out the door of this sanctuary out into the world with Jesus as your friend, where you're trusting him with your life and to lead your life. If you want to be a good elder, follow Jesus. If you want to be a good minister, follow Jesus. If you want to be a good disciple, it's redundant but a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And you might find yourself today maybe getting worked up about this or that, angry about something that you've heard, anxious about something on the horizon, fearful. I don't know what it would be. Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's a law. Maybe it's a sports team. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's problems in your homeowners association or your fitness club. I don't know what it is, but think about what's raising your anxiety level right now. What's creating tension? What amount of time and mental energy are you expending on that? And my question for you 
is if you're listening to those voices, is it possible you're not following Jesus? If, if you're more worried about what you're hearing at this volume from this group, then maybe you're not really listening to Jesus. Is it possible for us to turn down the volume of what we take in in our lives that's not about following Jesus? Turn that down so that we can, in our life, with our hands and with our feet, follow after Jesus. And let go of the newscaster or the politician or the coach or the boss or the president of the homeowners association. Let go of those worries and say, how am I going to follow Jesus now? Elders are God's gift to the church. They are an advanced group of followers of Jesus, called out to serve for the good of the group. And that's true for each and every one of us. How are we advancing in following Jesus? How are we initiating service? Like what's being offered in the sign-up sheets in the lobby today. How are we being an intimate part of our group and of this group of people seeking to follow Jesus? How is it that we are examples for others who could see that we're so resolutely focused on Jesus that these other voices just don't matter as much? Today we're going to sing some more. And I'm going to invite Jimmy back to the stage, but as he's coming, I want you to know that you might need someone to pray with, and I want you to know that I'm available. I'm going to be standing in the back after worship, where if you need someone to pray with or talk with, I'm there. We, we are thankful that you are present in this place. We want to invite you to know that following Jesus is not something for the elite. It's not just for elders. It's for all of us. In fact, if this is your first time at first, Following Jesus is something we invite you to do with us, knowing that we don't yet have it together, but we would benefit from you traveling this journey with us.